Good CEOs build and maintain successful companies. Great CEOs build and maintain influential ones. We're connecting with successful business leaders on how to create the impact within your organization that transforms it into one of influence at the CEO Roundtable. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the CEO Roundtable Podcast. Today, I'm joined with the Director of Diversity Programs for the Chicago Transit Authority, Juan Pablo Prieto. Juan Pablo, thank you for being here. Tony, thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Uh, and just love our conversation so far about, you know, everything that, one, your story, but everything you're doing for, for others in the community, uh, especially at such a high level, is, is, is pretty awesome. And, you know, with that, um, one of the things that, I guess, easiest way to explain what you do is you really do help small businesses here in Chicago with contracting opportunities with the CTA. Yes, yes. We're, we're very committed at CTA to making sure our contractors and, and the workforce also on our projects reflect the community that we serve. And that's a newer initiative over the last, uh, I guess, five years or so, right? Yeah, we've had, you know, the, the DBE program, Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Program, um, at CTA for a long time. It's a federal program, right? It's mandated by by U.S. Department of Transportation. But in the last, you know, five, ten years, we've really developed the small business development part of it and, and recognizing that setting goals, certifying businesses, that's not enough. We need to go a step further and help prepare the businesses to do business with CTA. And, you know, I guess for those that I, you don't know the inner workings of the CTA, I mean, we're talking about opportunities where anytime there's expansions, remodeling, any type of growth or construction within the CTA. Is that is that about right? Yeah, I mean, those are where the big opportunities are, right? You know, we think about construction. We have a, a very aggressive capital um, improvement plan. Um, you know, we've got our, our mega project right now, the red and purple modernization up north. We're planning, or you know, getting that's the, a huge project. It is. Right? It's it's two point one billion dollars, <laughs> right? And we've got the flyover built now. We're demolishing and rebuilding four stations from Lawrence to Bryn Mawr, really adding capacity to the backbone of the CTA, which is the backbone of the city, the Red Line. Um, but and now we've got the you know we're in the planning stages of the Red Line extension, which will take ninety fifth out to one hundred thirtieth. But then there are also so many other opportunities at CTA outside of construction, right? We contract for professional services, engineering, uh, law, staffing companies, cleaning companies, media production companies, run the gamut of of things that you can provide, and and we most likely have a contract for it. Wow. I mean, and it's just something that I guess a lot of us don't even think about because it's something that we didn't know was an opportunity for us, right? And as a community, do you find that it is more of, uh, I guess, a you know, specific group of individuals. You know, is it more the the immigrant you know community? Is it like, where are you finding that you're having to have the greatest impact in terms of education? That learning curve of hey, these opportunities are there for you. Yeah, I mean, the you know, the small business community is just made up of of powerful people. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's you know U.S. born immigrants, right, first generation, they have decided to take their lives into their own hands and, and bet on themselves. And that's one of the best investments you can make is in yourself. Uh, but we have had to do some education around, you know, you don't always have to be a subcontractor. That's kind of the, the DBE program. These, these, all these kind of supplier diversity programs have always been built around the subcontracting opportunity, right? Because you have this billion-dollar construction program. A small business can't take that on, so they're a sub. But we've created a lot of prime contracting opportunities so that you can be a direct contractor with CTA 
and learn and grow from there because really what, what we want to do, right, what my kind of personal goal has been ever since I took over the department at CTA is I want to create more primes and build wealth in our communities, right, in the Latino community, in the black community, the Asian community, Native American, right, whoever qualifies as a DBE, women-owned businesses, I want to create more wealth. And we can't create wealth if we don't expand, we don't grow, right, to become prime contractors. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And one of the things that we we had discussed uh, previously was this mindset, right, around what that looks like and being the primary versus being a sub. It just It's unfortunate, right, but one of the comments you had made was that um, someone didn't apply for an opportunity because mm-hmm. they were waiting to be the sub and not the prime. Yeah. Right? How much of that do you hear, and how, how prevalent is that mentality throughout that, those communities? It's less now, right? I mean, I think in the last few years, there's been this empowerment of getting prime contracts with, with CTA or, or with the city or with other government agencies. But when we started our small business program, we started it officially back in 2013, but we really started to get it going around 2015 And we would set contracts aside where only certified small businesses could compete for them. We wanted to remove the bigger firms, right? And these were smaller opportunities that sometimes the bigger firms use as kind of uh, supplemental to to other contracts. But we we knew that small businesses could do this work and could compete for it. So we would put it out and say, you know, only small businesses can compete for it. And then we come back and purchasing said, we got zero bids. So... My team would do calls and say, you know, what happened? We, we set this aside and this is, and they're like, well, we were waiting for you to tell us who the prime was so we could sub to them. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of that, you know, we just had to consistently message, you can be the prime, you can be the prime, you can be the prime. Since 2013, we've awarded over $34 million in wow. direct contracting to small businesses and it just keeps growing, right? We're, we're looking at every day more and more that we can set aside. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's that's a huge number, and and obviously, that you know the the reshifting of that wealth or redistribution yeah. of, of that of that wealth is is pretty incredible. What and you know, kudos, like I said, to you to your team. Thank you. What I guess is the goal for that, right? When mm-hmm. when because one of the things that also um, is not just creating those opportunities, but it's also educating on how to be successful within those opportunities. Because uh, as I've come to understand through you that. You know, working with the CTA and, and sometimes large government organizations like that can present its own challenges if yeah. you're not prepared for them. Yeah. One of my mentors told me one of the best and worst things that can happen to a company is to get a government contract. Wow. We, we and I, you know, admittedly, we're a large organization. We're bureaucratic, right? We're a bureaucracy and, and we're complex. Um, so you can fail, right? Working for CTA if you don't know the right steps to take. So we, in 2017, formed a small business educational series where we have, uh, it started off as a six-part series, had six prime contractors and consultants come in and teach classes. How do you pursue work? How do you get your invoices paid? How do you close out a project? What is a safety plan? How do you put it together, right? Safety is our number one priority. So, like I said, we, didn't, we weren't satisfied enough with just setting goals and saying, all right, here's the opportunity to compete for it we decided we need to be intentional about this and get these firms ready to compete and then ready to succeed on the opportunity. So it's now grown to a nine-part series. Um, you know, we've added classes like how do you manage your people, right, your workforce, and how do you leverage technology? How do you market your company? Um, again, all that to really push these firms 
out of that subcontracting world and into the prime contracting world and then making sure they're successful on that. What's been your biggest challenge so far? You know, as you guys started and started developing this, I'm sure things have changed since you first started. But what what was the biggest thing to overcome uh, in any of it? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing is capacity, right, and financial capacity. Um, a, a big, you know, a lot of feedback that we would get from the small business community because we try our best to keep our ears to the ground. You know, my team and I are not small business owners; or we work for the government, but. We want to make sure that we keep our ears to the ground and listen to the community and, and try and develop from there. Um, access to capital, you know, a small business either a can't get the capital they need, b can get capital but not at the amount they need it, or c they can get it but at a very high interest rate. Like abusive, right? Yeah, I mean, like you know, predatory. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so we decided, you know, let's let's build a program around growth, and you know, it's. A lot of focus is on the financial growth, but it's also on technical support. It's back office because if you don't have your paperwork in order, if you don't have your back office in order, you're never going to get a bank to approve you. You're never going to pass an audit. So we started a program called Building Small Businesses and it actually came out of the Red Purple Modernization Program. And now we just awarded, a, the board just approved a contract for a team to continue to administer that program, but CTAY, not just focus on one project. And it's, you know, it's focused on, all right, let's talk to small businesses. Where are they at? Where are you? Where do you want to get? And here are the tools that you can use to get there, right? Whether it's leveraging already existing capital, getting new capital, figuring out how to build those interest rates into your overhead and profit so that you're still profiting. Because the point of a business is to make money, right? Uh, we're not here to just see a small business do some work and you know, get some dollars. No, right. I want you to grow. I want you to and then you compete for the $10,000 contract. The next time around, I want you competing for the 40000 then the 150000 then the five hundred. right? Like growth, that's the, that's the goal. Because if you do go too big, too quick, I mean, it can set you up for failure. And one yeah. of the things that you had mentioned is, uh, you know, you've seen it happen where, you know, because a, a, a company has gotten a big contract that it could put them out of business even. Yeah. So how, how do you manage that, I guess, expectation or the mindset around that, you know, um, that it's possible, first mm -hmm. of all, right? Because if you're already saying that it's not, how much of that is something that, you know, falls on, on you as an organization to say, you know, it, it's our responsibility to make sure that people are getting it versus saying, yeah. hey, we tried and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my team and I are the small business community's number one advocate within CTA, right? And And that comes with both hearing the success stories and, and championing that and continuing to build off that, but also hearing the bad news, right? Sometimes we'll have our our technical assistance agencies or even the small businesses themselves say, this didn't work. And then we have to challenge ourselves to say, how can we make it work? What can we change? What processes inside of the large bureaucracy of CTA can we help shift, right? I mean, one concrete example is we had a contract, it was a, a pool, con we call it a task order-based contract, right? You award to a pool of vendors, and then with no specific work in mind, but a general work, and then you put out different tasks and they compete against them. Oh, interesting. So it's a, it's a great tool to really get procurements out quickly, right, when we need something done quickly. One complaint, or not complaint, one, one challenge that we heard from the small business community was, you're asking us to provide insurance up front, and there's no guaranteed work. 
So mm. we're paying for mm. that insurance. So mm. I went to the vice president of purchasing and said, we need to fix this. Because what's the point of asking for that? What are we CTA? What risk are we mitigating? Because that's what insurance is, right? For like sure. Mitigating risk. What risk are we mitigating with that? That early in the process, right? With no work. Right. Right? I mean, we had mitigated, we had changed the process where we were asking for, you know, $5 million insurance on a $1 million contract. That's easy. Like, we don't need that much, right? But this one was, you know, we had to go to law and make sure that we, we did protect the CTA, but at the same time create, you know, alleviate this challenge for small business. So now on any task order contract, we don't ask for insurance until you get the task order, until you get the actual work. Regardless of if you're a small business or not, this is for every business. So we actually improved the experience for all businesses, but really it was driven because of the small business community. Well, that's incredible to hear. You know, oftentimes you hear, or at least the, the you know, assumption is that, um, or the stereotype that when you work with government agencies like that, that it's a little bit more difficult to, to cut through red tape or to have things change. Yeah. How do you see the CTA as that? I don't want to put you in a bad spot, right, <laughs> or in a tough spot, but, uh, yeah. you know, as far as that, is, is, is change possible? I mean, you're yeah. saying it is here. You know, how have you seen that kind of evolve because of maybe just the antiquated ways that people get mm-hmm. stuck in, and then, and then I'm sure the CTA is no exception to that. Yeah. But how does that, you know, evolve into becoming a little more progressive? Sure. I, you know, I, th- I really do think it's, uh, it starts at the leadership level. Uh, our president, Dorville Carter, he's been in, in transportation for 30 years. So he's seen, right? And he, you know, he tells his story about how he actually started with CTA as a staff attorney working on a lawsuit against the CTA because our buses didn't kneel, right? So the ADA community. And he had to defend CTA, right? It's his job. But through that, he actually became an advocate for the ADA community. And now all of our buses kneel down so that people can get on board regardless of their ability. And, and when you say kneel down, it's like that hydraulic mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, right, where it kneels down to... Yep. Yeah, right? And, wow. And, and now he is leading the effort to get all of our stations, our, our train stations, to be accessible by 2040. Wow. Ver- vertically accessible. Right, 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 right. Put, put elevators in each one. Wow. So much, like, such a big impact that that is that the new infrastructure law has a provision in it designed by Senator Duckworth called the All Stations Accessibility Program, and that's what our program is called. So she modeled it after us. So I, I, I tell that story because his vision is really what has pushed my department and given us the room to grow, given us the room to push other departments, you know, to collaborate with us. Because it really is that. It's like they're, they're doing their business, right? Infrastructure builds, maintenance maintains, purchasing procures, we get to be, like you said, the ones that cut that red tape and, and ask the tough questions and say, but why are we doing this this way? Could we do it different? Sometimes it's like you get into a rhythm, right? And I, I'm guilty of it. My team's guilty of it too. We get into a rhythm of doing something and it's easy and it's, you know, second nature until someone says, can you do it better? Yep. And just recognizing that if someone asks that question, it's not that you're doing something wrong, right? The old adage, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It doesn't have to be broken. And I got this from uh, Dr. Russ Rogers over at DePaul. He was um, the instructor for the CTA's leadership development program. He said, get rid of that. Get rid of that adage. Think about it this way. If this isn't as good as it gets, what does better look like? And that's what you got to strive for. I love that. I love that. And, 
you know, one of the things it reminds me of is anytime, if you've ever taken one of the architectural tours, you know, and the river tours. Yeah. And just how, as they describe the city and, and the things that we've had to overcome as a city, whether it be the fire or just, you know, politics or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? That um, how a few individuals who had a vision shaped everything that we see today. Yeah. And though it took a city to, to, to manifest that, right? That person with that idea wasn't the one out there necessarily doing all the work, but it did take those people mm-hmm. to do that. And I think... With everything you're saying that, you know, 2040 or whatever time in the future that we look back on these times and people come even to appreciate the CTA for what it is now in terms of the rest of the world and what we have here. But that I'm almost hearing you have an opportunity to be part of that history, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's something that, you know, I jokingly tell my family, right, when we go by a station that's new, I'm like, oh, I, I built that, right? And I, I didn't, right? I, I played a very small role, but... These companies and then the workers that we help, too, because we have workforce goals that help um, recruit individuals from economically disadvantaged areas into the trades, they get to go around the city and say, I built that station. Yep. That train is running faster because of me. Yep. And, you know, my son takes a lot of pride in what I do. I can't imagine the pride that the kids of these business owners and tradespeople take when they say, I built that building, I built that station. That's amazing. And yeah. so so if, if someone's out there listening, you know, they're they're in construction, they have a company, maybe they even want to start a company and looking towards the future, but, you know, what advice would you give to those individuals as far as uh, uh, finding those opportunities, you mm-hmm. know, getting or preparing themselves even? You know, yeah. they may not be in a place that they're ready for that, yeah. but, you know, what, what advice would you give to seek those out and then to prepare oneself for that? Yeah, I definitely. So I definitely want to preface it by saying there is a ton of work coming to the region. Right, we already have the state capital program that's that's running. We've got the infrastructure law that just passed out of Washington that's going to deliver a lot of money. And then there's just a lot of private projects that paused because of COVID and that have restarted. You got the 78. You got Lincoln Yards, the old post office. Um, right. So now is the time to get ready. And the way to get ready is a few steps, right? So one, if you're thinking about doing government work, I would definitely consult with an attorney and with an accountant who knows the Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Program, DB program. And make sure that when you're setting up your business, you're setting up in a way that you can get certified because we do run into a few times where the way the business was set up is a challenge to get them certified because we can't find this document or the way that Mm -hmm. assets were transferred, right? Uh, Very in the weeds, but... It's important to so make you, sure that if you do it right, it makes it easy. It does. It does. It goes from it could go from a ninety-day process to a sixty-day process, and my certification team is going to kill me because <laughs> I'm putting them on the spot. But um, but so, it also falls back on you know the individuals applying as well. So yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a team effort. It is. Yeah, and it's it's an administrative <laughs> process, but it is one you know kind of level to to get to. The next thing is join join one of these assist agencies, right? Whether it's the Hispanic American Construction Industry Association, HACIA, Black Contractors, Owners and Executives, uh, BCO, Federation of Women Contractors, they're here as advocates, a- advocates for the small business community, and they have a ton of tools to help you grow, to help you build, right? There's the Illinois Hispanic Chamber of Commerce as a Black Chamber of Commerce. They're there to really support small businesses and a lot of them are technical assistant, assistance agencies. And I tell them, I, I want to hear the bad and the good, right? Like, let me know when we could do something better. 
So if you need someone to be your voice, those organizations know how to get a hold of us and, and help us do better. It's, and to hear that is just another reason to love you know, Chicago and the things that we do here. There's so much yeah. assistance, so much help, so much opportunity. You just have to look for it, right? Yeah. And, and hopefully this is a, a push in the right direction for those. But also one of the things I wanted to, to bring up was just I love the CTA. You know, anytime someone comes from out of town, it's like yeah. your three-day pass at the, at the minimum, there right? Or a week pass, <laughs> whatever it is. But, you know, I was sad to hear that uh, during the pandemic, during COVID, how the numbers drastically went down yeah. and with 10% of, uh, you know, usual ridership. Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, in 2019, um, we're doing well, but, you know, Lyft and, and um, Uber were definitely um, chipping away at some ridership. But yeah. our ridership was strong, right? And, and, you know, we were moving the city around. And COVID definitely, you know, took a big hit uh, on ridership. But what we realized is we were really moving the essential folks, you know, essential people through the city. We were getting nurses to work, factory workers, uh, chefs, right? Folks that have to be at their place of business to do work. And they were dependent on CTA. And we realized more and more, we already knew this, but we realized more that transit is an equity issue. And we need to fund transit because those who can't either choose not to have a vehicle, uh, a car, or just don't have access to one for whatever reason are going to depend on transit to get around to do their essential travels. <clears throat> and especially in the cold months, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's, a, exactly. it's a great bike city, but uh, yeah. you know, not come, come, come November, you're pretty much done. Yeah. <laughs> I see those people you know, out there, and, and they're braver than I am. But Much <laughs> much braver than I am, too. You know, what, what are some of those things? In, and I know that you had mentioned also just the perception that, um, or maybe not even the per- perception, but rather the projection mm-hmm. <laughs> of how Hollywood oftentimes, or, you know, yeah. they, they depict stations or just mm-hmm. public transportation in general that it has a dark you know feel to it yeah. or it's not you know what how can we as chicagoans support the cta to make sure that you know it's here and not just here for you know the sake oh it's for us but it really is so vital is. to the city it is and i mean you made you know the comment about bringing people from out of town and showing them the system you we get spoiled here in the we city do, with yeah. cta right you go to another city and you're like can we take a train they're like no not really here you can take a train every you can go from 95th all the way to wilmette on 225 and pretty soon pretty soon 130th right and pretty soon 130th exactly so yeah what we can do as chicagoans you know besides using the system is being advocates for it tell you know your community leaders your elected officials how vital transit is to you or to the ones you love um, and, you know, get businesses to also to support transit, right? Uh, on someone's Instagram, Facebook, website, tell them to put how to get to, to the business using CTA. We go everywhere in the city. You can get to most businesses on a train or on a bus or both. So, you know, help us help us get the message out there that, that we're there for, for, for the riders. That's a great point. I mean, even just showing people the the transit routes is such a you know it is. Yeah, we are we are absolutely spoiled, and you know we're, we've been spoiled having you here. So I, I appreciate you. <laughs> of course, you know, Sharon, it, it's such an invaluable thing to have uh, someone like you advocating for those who really don't know about the opportunities that that they should and that are there for them. So yeah. you know, I just want to thank you again for for coming in, of course, sharing and, and just being a part of the community. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs>